0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold and what a happy day it is just because this is the day the Lord has made and we can go out and be uh, salt and light in a very broken world. Today I'm looking forward to talking to Dr. Andy Scudiga about our personalities and how they affect our decision making. Andy is a professor uh, at North Central College in Minneapolis. Always like having Andy on. Andy, Welcome. Thanks. It's yeah. good to be here again. Oh, it's really nice to have you here. So our personalities are kind of a big deal when it comes to how we make decisions. I've understood.
1: You have understood correctly, given my research that started five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a big deal. I mean, it's one of those kind of things that seems obvious because it is. I mean, yeah, your everybody's personality is going to have a significant impact on their decision making, but I think. Probably a lot of people don't give that too many thoughts during the day or during the week when they're making decisions. Mm-hmm. So
0: as I was thinking about our personalities and how they're formed, we've got, I suppose, genetics, and we've got our environment, and then how we were parented. I suppose yeah. that's that's the biggest start, isn't
1: it? It totally is. Yeah. So there's there's different. Just for the benefit of our listeners, there's kind of two different schools of thought on personality. Mm-hmm. One is the one that I tend to adhere to, which is the idea that you're you're born with a personality. And much like your kind of natural intelligence, it's pretty static. It's something that you, you're you – it's like you – you it's a genetic – um oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say enhancement, but that sounds like science fiction. <laughs> it's a genetic hand-me-down from mm-hmm. your parents and their families. That's what your personality is, and it really doesn't change. You can adapt your personality to situations. You can learn how to utilize your personality in different ways. You know, there's some things that you could – open up to people more often. There's things that you might want to tone down depending on the situation. So I think people learn how to manage their personalities over time. Mm -hmm. The other school of thought is that you're a little bit more of a blank slate with some genetic markers, but how you're parented and your childhood experiences, those things actually shape and change your personality over the years. So mm-hmm. there's that fixed mentality versus the malleable mentality for personality. Okay. I love that as a starter, Andy. And I also want
0: to now say, let's bring in the lens of uh, scripture and say, we are a new creations in Christ. We are always renewing our mind daily. Yeah. And then we are growing in our understanding of God's word and who we are in Christ, which is going to influence, uh, hopefully our character and things like our temperament which I would imagine
1: would be key factors in how we make decisions. Oh, totally. And a temperament, again, is one of those things that's kind of tied to personality. It's a little bit different. Temperament is more like the kind of what you present to people, Mm -hmm. you know, like the difficult child, the easy child. You know, we have these names for babies in developmental psychology. The easy child, you know, easy to warm up, the slow to warm up, and then the difficult child. And Mm -hmm. that kind of temperament also tends to carry throughout life. But that is proven to be a little bit more malleable, changeable as you get older. Mm-hmm.
0: Do introverts or extroverts um, make decisions the same ways? I doubt they would.
1: I don't think so. Okay. No. Um, and there's, there's, I mean, honestly, anybody could Google probably hundreds of articles about personality in general. You could find tons of academic articles about personality decision-making and... Um, And there's probably evidence for just about every idea that you want to, you know, that you, you you can find evidence for anything you believe to some degree when you you look at real research. Um, But we do see that there's some correlation between, you know, like extroverts and introverts and the way that they think, the way that they process the world and worldview matters, of course, in decision-making as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Andy, how wise is it to even say, define yourself one way or the other? I mean, is that smart to say, well, I'm really an introvert. I, I like to stay home on Friday nights
1: and not talk to people. I don't think there's anything unwise about it. No, because it's part of who you are. Now, if you want to go home every Friday night and be by yourself, that's fine. I mean, that's, if you want to do that, Bill, that's to you. I'm not I mean, talking about to my, you.
0: myself, am I?
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I we? don't know. Are we? No, no,
0: after a long day. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not. Right. But I mean, is it, right. is it uh, a mistake to say you're an introvert, you're an extrovert?
1: No, okay. not at all. Okay, I think where people make a mistake is when they assume that every decision in their life has to be based on I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert. Okay. And I, I run into people who say a lot, well, I don't want to do that because I'm an introvert. You know, for example, I remember this very clearly. Many years ago, we were having this big church retreat and we were talking about how do we greet and welcome new people into our church. Mm -hmm. And a pair of college professors stood up in the thing and said, we're introverts and we're not going to be doing that because that's not how we're gifted. Mm. And another faculty member at the university stood up and said, that's totally wrong. You, it's your duty as a Christian to be somewhat extroverted and meet new people. You can't shirk that duty just because you say you are an introvert. And you do hear people use that language all the time. Mm. Oh, I can't stop talking because I am an extrovert, so therefore that's my excuse for over talking everybody. I don't buy that, and I think people sometimes get into that excuse making. Uh, they excuse their behaviors by saying, "Well, that's that's what I am genetically gifted as. I am an ex- I am an introvert, so therefore." My behavior is excused, and I don't think that's wise. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful
0: if you were you were an introvert and it turns out you were greeted at church by another introvert? Yeah. And you felt all of a sudden calm and safe and, ooh, I like it here. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's other quiet people here with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. But the I funny mean, thing is people assume that introverts are not good at talking to people. They assume that all introverts are shy um that introverts maybe are socially awkward and that's totally not true. That's not true at all. No, no. But that's kind of a stereotype that's really unfair. There's, you know, there's some stereotypes that are probably somewhat based on truth, but the extrovert introvert stereotype uh kind of binary is is really unfortunate because yeah, again, people make assumptions about somebody else. I'm very extroverted. My wife is actually a pretty significantly introvert, but she's great with people. She's good mm-hmm. talking in front of people. But the real difference between extroverts and introverts is that extroverts get energy from dealing with people. Introverts, it kind of saps their energy. Like your example earlier, after a long day with tons of people, introverts want to go home or want to go find a quiet space and just kind of relax and recharge their batteries. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of extroverts... After they've been with people all day, they want to come home and tell their family about everybody they talked to (laughs) and the cool stories that they heard. And Mm -hmm. they want to share details, right? And so in my life, you know, my wife and I, I understand her and she understands me. So we, you know, you kind of play this by ear. And sometimes it's like I can tell you've had a very busy day with lots of people. You can go do your own thing for a while. We'll connect later. And you kind of learn how to deal that with friends and family and and loved ones and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm it seems like we might be doing
0: a disservice to ourselves if we use labels to I don't, I don't I don't want to say hide behind but use them in some way to say i don't want to be a greeter at church i'm an introvert yeah and the person uh, might think i wouldn't be good
1: when in reality you might be the best person to be a greeter exactly i i think you're hitting the nail on the head we have to approach it with Kind of the idea that this is, I mean, this is who I am, right? There's nothing wrong with understanding and even labeling who you are as long as it doesn't turn into now I set up barriers and walls in my life just based on my personality. Otherwise, we wouldn't get very far in life if we, as introverts, didn't kind of step away from that introvert shell that sometimes introverts have. Like, I don't really want to meet people, but but we need to do those things. Mm -hmm. Just like extroverts sometimes need to just be quiet and stand in the back of the room or just stay seated or not share their opinion every time there's a meeting. Yeah, so there's point. there's things like that that we can learn about ourselves. And it's important to know yourself, but it's also important to know yourself and how you deal with different contexts in life so that you're not causing problems for yourself or others around you under the guise of, well, I'm this or that. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Skuttinga is my guest. We're talking about
0: personality traits and how it affects our decision making. We're going to get to that. But I also, Andy, would like to hear you talk about the big five personality traits. Oh, yeah. Oh, five. yeah. The big
1: five. I, got, oh, I say yeah. we got time
0: for one. <laughs> Probably got time for one before the
1: break. And then after the break, we'll do the other four. Okay. How about this? How about I just talk about it briefly? And then after the break, we'll go through all five. That'd be great. Because everyone will forget the first no, one. that'd be great. That's true. So this was developed by McRae and Costa based on the work of a lot of different personality theorists. And it's really, it comes down to this is the, probably the most common and widely used personality inventory. And it's not a, it's not a personality test. There's no such thing as a personality test because it implies that you pass or fail. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't do tests, but we do inventories. And this is one that has got a lot of legs to it, if you will. So it's, it's helpful and it's useful. Most people can understand it and apply it. And there's tons of research that, Indicates that it's been useful in multiple different settings, if that helps.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you've looked at your calendar lately, but we are running out of July. And we're going to conclude our book bundle here pretty quick. And if you have not signed up to be part of the uh, Faith Radio's biggest book bundle giveaway ever, you can do it now. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. Right now we're uh, giving away uh, parenting skills book bundles so if you want to if you're if you're interested in that go to myfaithradio.com and sign up also if you have a smartphone you can get the faith radio app it's a very cool app i have it on my phone i know andy you have it on yours i'm just saying that and he's shaking his head no you don't have it yet well I you're going to get it during the didn't break no existed until right now well you'll be getting it at the break okay yeah i'll do it so andy will be getting the break and you can just go right to your uh, app store and uh, download the Faith Radio app. You can listen live or on demand. Once you get it, you can keep up with our latest giveaways and promotions. So go ahead and download that free Faith Radio app today. You'll enjoy it. We'll take a break and be right back with Dr. Andy Scottiga we would love for you to share your story about why you love faith radio and what has faith radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live we want to hear from you your story can encourage others and glorify God share what you love about faith radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today play for a while that goes yeah back it's to, pretty nice that's very nice that goes back many many years all right dr andy Scuddinga is with me right here in studio i always enjoy having andy in uh the studio talking because he is so
1: interesting why <laughs> thank you yeah yeah is your mom listening i don't know i told him that this was on okay so probably they'll good. listen to the the recording oh, good, sure good hey mom hey dad so <laughs> We're talking about
0: personality traits today and how it affects our decision-making. And we're going to talk about the big five personality traits. And this is an, an acronym that spells the word ocean. So just so you know, you can remember it this way. But, Andy, let's start with the letter O.
1: So O is openness. And it's kind of like what it sounds like instinctively. Openness is kind of being open to new experiences. Um, People who tend to score high in openness are often a little bit more on the creative side and they're much more open to spontaneity. So you've got your friend or your sister who's always the one who says, hey, let's go do this. And nobody's thought of it. Nobody's planned for it. And they love doing that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But also they're the person who, when you say to them, let's change the plans that we made months ago right now (laughs) they're the people who say cool let's do it Mm -hmm. um the people who score low on openness are the people who are really frustrated by those sorts of things they're highly planful which ties into the the next letter um but but openness is generally are you open to new experiences and do you find that valuable and useful to you the c is conscientiousness So conscientiousness is not necessarily like, oh, you're so mannerly and nice and always thinking of others, because that's usually what people think of. Oh, you're so conscientious. Thank you for thinking of my feelings. Mm -hmm. That's not quite what it is. In this model, conscientiousness is really people who are highly organized, planful and orderly. So if you score really high in conscientiousness, you're probably a person who has everything filed away neatly. Uh, you're probably more prone to have your closet organized by color and those are people who really want to have things laid out in front of them all of the time mm-hmm. um some people say oh that sounds like ocd no that's a disorder that's totally different um obsessive compulsive disorder they would probably score very high in conscientiousness but well how would that affect your decision making if you're that big time i would imagine so but yeah. when
0: you're when you're so orderly order is a good thing It is. Does it make decision-making
1: easier or harder? Probably easier for a lot of people who are... So people who score high in conscientiousness are generally slower Mm decision-makers. They tend to be maybe more effective decision-makers sometimes because they are prone to think through things, take their time, and not react as much to their emotional content Mm, as they would to logic and step-based thinking. Interesting. It's very interesting because... Yes you can have someone who's very high on extroversion and very high on conscientiousness and those are that could change your decision making versus someone who's low on extroversion and agreeableness which we'll get to in a minute higher levels of conscientiousness and openness make better decisions so mm. people who are more probably more data driven and less emotionally focused tend to make better decisions in in at least laboratory experiments
0: interesting so you're saying that person that shows up with all the emotions to the table
1: may not make decisions as well? That can sometimes be the case, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes when we're in decision-making mode, if we're highly driven by emotion, we're much, maybe I shouldn't say much, we're more likely to make a poor decision because our emotions preclude us from thinking carefully about all of the potential consequences or all of the facts in the matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be problematic because Mm -hmm. we know what happens when people become impulsive they often don't make great decisions sometimes they do Mm -hmm. but more often than not it's not necessarily the best decision well let's throw out the word impulsive Mm -hmm. because i just thought
0: we were talking about being emotional and what's the difference between being emotional and having
1: a gut instinct well that's a good question you can have a gut instinct and have very low emotion Uh, that's what i would think i would think that yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, we could be talking about something here and I can have the gut instinct to say, I don't want to do that. And I could be really low affect about it. Right. It, it doesn't bother me emotionally. Right. You could say something that really fires me up and I got to make a decision and I'm mad about what you said. And so now I'm going to decide how I'm going to behave towards you. Mm-hmm. That's an emotional driven decision. Mm-hmm. My gut tells me I probably shouldn't say something angry to Bill, especially when there's like 40 million people listening on the radio. 50, okay. Oh, wow, that's a lot of extra pressure. I need to wipe the sweat off my forehead. Yeah. But that's, but also pressure for decision-making too. That plays a role in your personality, how you handle pressure. That also makes a big difference in your Mm decision-making. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So (laughs) back to ocean, right? (laughs) See how easy it is to get, I mean, we could spend 20 minutes talking about what it means to be conscientious. I know. And and highly organized and whether that's a good or a bad thing in decision-making. So when you look at, so the E here is extroversion. And most people, I think, have a decent understanding of extroversion versus introversion. But basically extroversion, again, is you gain energy from interacting with other people. Extroverts kind of give, kind of lose energy from lots of interaction with people. That's, the, that's really the biggest difference between the two. Um, and so that that's kind of an easy one for most people. And people talk about it a lot. The fourth one, the A, is agreeableness. And this is kind of how, partly how well you work with others. So people who are like have high manners and high emotional intelligence usually score really high in agreeableness, uh, being able to get along well, um, being able to kind of express themselves without being highly emotional in an off-putting way, if that makes sense. So agreeableness is kind of go along and get along with others. Doesn't necessarily mean they're entirely like a people pleaser because people pleasing can get you into trouble in different ways. We've talked about that on this show a couple of times. And then the fourth or the fifth letter N is neuroticism. And so people who score high on neuroticism are neurotic. They Mm -hmm. tend to be high anxiety. Uh, They tend to have low emotional stability. So if you score high in neuroticism, you probably are very, um, you're probably very prone to emotional swings and you probably react more strongly to emotions than most people do. People who score low on neuroticism are very even-keeled. They tend not to get too high or not to get too low. They tend to be very almost flatliners. So the lower you score, the more flat your affect is in, in, with other people. Hmm. And so also if you're high in neuroticism, you tend to think about things more negatively than you do positively. So scoring high on that is, is not always the most the strongest sign of emotional well-being and health. Mm-hmm. So that is the big five. And listeners, any of you can go online, uh, just use your favorite search engine and type in big five personality test, mm-hmm. and you'll probably find 10 different free examples of how you can take the test. It'll probably take you 10 minutes. It'll give you a score and even a small, here's what this means. Yeah. And, and those are usually fairly accurate. Andy, when I look at the
0: big five and I yeah. think of how it applies to families and family dynamics, <laughs> yeah, you know, you think of openness and agreeableness and you get a call and your sister-in-law says, how about having Thanksgiving on Tuesday this year? And you go, well, <laughs> oh, I'm not open to that. Right. I can't, I'm not going to agree to that. I mean, you start to have all of these elements that start coming in your personality traits yeah. and you're going to start to make decisions and have conflicts and, I mean, I don't know where I'm going with this question,
1: <laughs> but I like <laughs> I th- I where I'm I going. Do. Yeah, I, I yeah. like it too. Yeah, that's th- this is exactly where people start to find out who they are if they haven't yeah. given it a lot of thought. Right when when someone when you've made plans. Now we've all made plans, right? And when you when you make plans, this is a great way to understand who you are. Have I mean. You've made plans and somebody comes in, it's, it's, I mean, how many times is it an in-law? Sorry, in-laws. I'm one, two. The in-law comes and says, yeah, let's do it on Tuesday now. Yeah. And you thought, I've ordered everything. I have all the stuff ready. No, we can't do that. No, it's my Thanksgiving and I'm doing. Okay. So you're, that's probably somebody who's low on openness, maybe lower on agreeableness too. Then there are people who will be like, okay, sure. You said Tuesday, we'll do Tuesday. I don't want any conflict. I don't want to bother. I don't want to get along. Right, let's just keep everybody happy, right? Well, you're probably more of a people pleaser and that's going to get you into trouble too. If you can, the best thing you can do in that situation, honestly, is say, let me get back to you. Hmm. And then start thinking to yourself about, okay, why Why am I opposed to this idea? Why would it be okay for us to do this? And and think about in a rational non-emotional way if you can because again it's in-laws for thanksgiving it's a big deal it's an emotional thing right it's a family gathering you want to get it right you want everybody to have fun and be happy Mm -hmm. but at the same time you have to respect all the planning that you put into it and you know maybe the other family members really don't want it on tuesday either so rationally taking the time to look at all the options is a great way to handle decision making so that you can recognize your emotions with it and respect those emotions and yet put them aside so that you can make a, a worthwhile decision. I think it's really hard for many of us to do. I know mm-hmm. it's hard for, for me to do, for, for sure.
0: Yeah, I want to continue this after the break. I want to go back and, Andy, if you don't mind talking about the ocean again, openness, consciousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Got Correct. to say that carefully yes. on radio. Yes, you do. In Christian radio. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break and be right back with Dr. Andy Scuddinga. If you want to join in on this discussion at all, and maybe you have a question or a comment, love to hear from you, 877-933-2484. Uh, Lois said, sometimes people will fill a role in the church because it needs to be filled instead of waiting to see who God calls to fill that role. I think that has to do with the introvert and the extrovert. Again, very wise. All right, yeah. we'll be right back.
1: The new show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. what's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno.
0: Thanks for joining me today. So glad that you uh are here with us because I've got Dr. Andy Scudinger in studio. And Rosie and I are having a ball talking to Andy because we're talking about our personalities and how it affects our decision making and how it kind of shapes who we are. And Andy, it's probably helpful to do a little bit of a of a um, look at some of your willingness to be open and your consciousness and your agreeableness and all this, these five character traits, because mm-hmm. it does help not only understand yourself a little bit better and how you make decisions, but it yeah. also
1: would help understand some of your other significant people in your life. Oh yeah. These are these are really helpful things that are pretty easy to find out about yourself. It's just a matter of doing a little bit of just a little bit of research. Sure. You know, you don't have to go out and buy uh, you know, a 470-page book on right. How to understand your personality, right? I mean, mm. you can you could look at personality inventories online that are generally decent. Um they're not all good and sometimes you you might get one that's really bad. Um but for the most part, if you stick to big 5 Um, even Myers-Briggs is okay. It's kind of lost its validity over Mm -hmm. time because so many people have done it. So I I wouldn't recommend that necessarily. Somebody out there is probably angry at me for saying that now, but, um, you know, strengths finder, those can be helpful things. Um, I personally, I hear a lot about the Enneagram. I don't know a lot about it. I don't either. I have not studied it. Um, some people call it the, it's kind of like the Christian personality test. It's not developed by Christian people as far as I know, so okay. I I think people need to be careful saying those things, but those are some popular ones. They're all they're all valuable to some degree and they can all help us know more about ourselves and our personalities and like you said, it's really important to be able to understand other people, where they're coming from, why they might act a certain way in certain situations and in others they they don't. Those are there's Knowledge is power, right? And mm-hmm. knowledge is wisdom in these types of situations, I believe.
0: And as we grow in our relationship with the Lord and we understand God's word and apply it to our life, hopefully we will all grow in our our character and our temperament will change. We'll, yeah. You know, you look at the fruits of the Spirit, they should all hopefully be there. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? Yeah. So this will be part of your character development and your temperament, which I will would hope would be very beneficial in helping
1: you make decisions. Oh, sure. And, you know, when you think about, like, the fruits of the spirit, those, I mean, those are tied to people's personality traits as well. You know, personality doesn't just fit into five categories of the Big Five, right? There's We're so much more complicated than that. These are nice kind of major categories. You know, there's another personality test that the Big Five is based on called the 16PF, which is 16 Factors um and that that takes this these big five to you know triple the level plus 1 um if you will so there's there's deeper level inventories that tell us a lot more about about who we are you know we we are in in some ways we're such incredibly complex creatures and in other ways we're so simple and basic <laughs> it's it's almost baffling how simple we are sometimes but you know we could we can throw out a word And have a thousand people listening and there will be a thousand different unique reactions just to that one word, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I say politics or legislation, Mm -hmm. people immediately, some are like, oh, yawn. Mm -hmm. And some people say, great, now the show is about politics. I'm angry already. So how we respond to all kinds of different things is based on our unique individual personalities. And I think that's one of the great markers of created order. That God blessed us with is the uniqueness of our personalities mm. and how we make decisions. If we all made decisions the same way, I don't know where we, we. that's why I probably we have the Tower of Babel <laughs> <laughs> or Babel, depending yeah. on how your yeah. Sunday school teacher said it when you were a kid.
0: Yeah. So Andy, I'm looking at my notes here mm-hmm. and I, I see the word satisfizers and maximizer. Yeah. And you almost think that's a typo or I misspelled it, but I didn't. Right. Yeah, so speak to those uh satisficers and maximizer.
1: Yeah, this is a one that I just recently read about. So Schwartz suggests that people fall into two categories of decision makers, the satisficer and the maximizer. And so the satisficer, these are people who look at the options and they pick the one that they consider good enough. The choice is not so significant. They don't spend time agonizing over it, over the possibilities. They just make a decision that's pretty good and that's okay. Maximizer is very different. They want the absolute best and they will work hard and they won't stop until they find the absolute best. And that's how they make their decisions. And you can see the value of both. Yeah. How do we apply this to a real life scenario? I've got a great example. Oh, cool. So you might want to go on vacation and you make a plan, right? And some people will spend hours. And hours finding the right place to stay on the first night of your trip. (laughs) And then the right place to stay for the next three nights. And you're going to read 47 reviews. You're going to look at four or five different websites to talk about this one hotel, right? And you're going to research it until your eyes are bleeding from your screen. And then there's people who will be like, eh, it's a holiday inn. Should be fine. Yeah. Ding. I'm done. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes later, it's good enough, right? got two beds free breakfast for the kids everybody's happy right Mm -hmm. and the maximizer's like what what do you mean you didn't read the reviews you didn't look into this at all well if you have time to do that great but if you are spontaneously planning a trip and you're leaving tomorrow you don't have time for all that Mm -hmm. stuff so the satisficer says i'll take care of it this is easy so you can see where both of those are valuable within context and you might have a preference for one but you, we have to be adaptable and, you know, choose one or the other depending on the situation sometimes. Um, Rose, you got a question?
0: I do. Because as you're describing that, I'm like, oh, I'm the first one, unless it's my vacation. And then I'm a maximizer <laughs> because I'm yeah. on vacation and I do want the best room. So can you be both
1: depending Absolutely. on the situation? That is that is me. Okay. Because in a lot of cases, I would tend to be more of a satisficer who says, It's it's good enough. This will be fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's not let's not spend a lot of time on this. But, yeah, when it comes to vacation, we just had a vacation. We went to Yosemite and we went to Sequoia National Park. And no, we did not start the fire while we were there. We missed it by like two days. But, yeah, I carefully planned that entire trip. I looked at tons of places to stay on a staycation website, which I probably shouldn't say out loud on the radio. Uh, it's a very popular one that everybody uses. Um, and I looked at all the ratings, right? I found, I, I did tons of research into this trip because I want to maximize the week that we have of vacation that week. I want to make sure I'm not wasting money on a useless piece of property. I want to make sure everything's good for my family. Now, when I go to the grocery store, I'm not a maximizer. I know what I want and I don't spend 45 minutes looking at the ingredients on in every single box or you know, I don't scour every single piece of meat on the meat counter. Kind of time for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's different situations that we can adapt to knowing what our general preference might be for certain things. So we can, we can be both on all of this stuff. And that's where, going back to something we talked about earlier, if you lock yourself into, oh, I'm totally a maximizer. So every decision I make must be a maximizer decision. Mm-hmm. We don't need to do that. And we don't always need to be agreeable. Sometimes we're going to be less or more conscientious depending on the context. And that's okay.
0: What happens when two people live their life this way? where one's uh, a satisfizer and one's a maximizer. Like they go up for breakfast mm. and you go, well, it's a breakfast joint. You order eggs and toast. Yeah. You know, that's what the satisfizer would <laughs> order, right? And the maximizer Probably. wants to study the whole menu. Yeah. And see every possible
1: option. Then... it's
0: hey, a breakfast? Get,
1: yeah. What are you going to get? Well, I would get bacon Scrambled eggs yeah. and hash browns. Crispy. In that order? Yeah. yeah. Chewy bacon. Bring out the bacon first. And lots of coffee. Okay. That's what I would do. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There's,
0: But there are some people that want to study the menu and see sure. everything on it, right? And we have to be okay with that.
1: Yeah. We we always want to give room to other people. I mean, unless it's like life-threatening. Um, we want to give room to people to, to be themselves to a certain degree. Now, if the maximizer you know will take literally 45 minutes to peruse the menu... <laughs> Um, And I may have a family member who's listening right now who Mm -hmm. will take forever to look at the menu and ask 12 questions of the server when you come back. And you just have to be patient and and be okay with that. Unless you're in a hurry to get somewhere, then you might need to prod the person and say, hey, someone who birthed me, you might need (laughs) to make the decision faster because we're in a hurry, right? And that person might have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you kind of... You know, the longer time you spend with somebody, the more you learn about them. And then the more you understand and you get that trust with one another that, look, I understand you. I understand your personality. I know you really want to look at the menu for the next 20 minutes, mm-hmm. but we don't have time. So I might preempt that by saying, I know you want to look at the menu, but we got to we gotta move here. Mm-hmm. And that can be, that's way better than, you know, the passive aggressive when you get the bill. Thank goodness we got out of here on time after that menu search. Right? Yeah. Now you've made a point, you've cut the other person, and you haven't made any progress in your relationship. You might have damaged it.
0: But couldn't you alleviate some frustration if you realize there's a person in the group that is a maximizer and they just want to make sure they get exactly what they want after yeah. looking at the menu for a long time? I know we're, this is kind of a semi-silly example, but uh, there is frustration
1: and yeah. that can arise from it. Oh, absolutely. And if you feel yourself getting frustrated by someone else... Then again, it goes back to that: can you can you set aside your emotional? Can you recognize your emotional reaction? And and anytime you when you read about like how do I handle my emotions better? When you read articles about this, whether it's in kind of like pop psychology magazines or kind of you know uh, scientific journals, they they'll almost always say the same thing: recognize your emotion and and name it. Like, man, I'm kind of frustrated that my breakfast partner here is taking forever to read the menu, and then you ask yourself. Why am I so frustrated? Well, it's because I don't like taking forever, looking through a menu. Well, that's a personal preference. There's no wrong or right here. And so if we can look at that objectively and just say, "Ah, you know what? I'm just being impatient. Go ahead and take your time on the menu. It's okay. You'll both probably be happier. And the other person may not even know you're having these thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be sitting there, you know, pure poker face, no emotion at all. You're seething inside because you can hide it well, or maybe the other person senses, I I think you're getting impatient over there, and maybe I'll hurry up. Mm -hmm. If you can calm yourself down, rationally think about why you feel the way that you do, and be okay with it, let them move on and and be patient yourself. Everybody's going to probably be happier in the end. Mm -hmm.
0: There's so many times, Andy, that you can find yourself in the situation where one person likes to do something quickly, one person likes to take their time, Two people are leaving a party. One wants to have the long lingering goodbyes. One guy just, <laughs> one guy just wants to get out of there, right? Right. Yeah. So you're, if you're aware of these personality traits, you can more be more embracing, can't you? Sure. Versus being frustrated.
1: Yeah. And if, if you're the guy who wants to get out of there quick, maybe you see your friend make his way to the host. and You're like, no, I'm going to get there first. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> and then you're out the door, right? And you're happy you leave on time. And you've kind of preempted this frustration by watching your other friend say goodbye for 15 minutes while you're patiently waiting just to walk out the door. Because you don't want to be rude and leave, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have two choices. You have three choices, right? You can do what you always do and be frustrated and be annoyed by your other friend and let the situation play out. You can preempt it by moving faster and saying, I'm going to take care of this for my own benefit so I don't have to get frustrated. And then Mm -hmm. the person can linger as long as they like. Or you can recognize, hey, I'm I'm maybe being a little bit impatient. What am I going to lose? Five minutes of my life right. waiting here? Maybe I'll be part of a new conversation that I want to stay for. Yeah, good point. So there's, you know, there's, again, it goes back to people have personal choices. It doesn't always have to fit what we think our box is. for. this is the personality to have. This is how I'm supposed to act. I can't deviate from that. You know, go back to your question, Rosie. We don't always have to be what our personality inventory says we always have to be. And when you open – here we go to openness. See how this all falls into place? It does fall into place. When we're more open-minded about things like that, especially about ourselves, we generally tend to be happier. Mm-hmm. Openness is linked strongly to levels of, of happiness in different situations because when you're more open – you're more patient and you're more understanding. But that's harder for some than it is for others, for sure.
0: And I suppose, Andy, we all have kind of a default position.
1: Yes. We have a default position of open or closed. That's what your personality is. Yeah. It's your default position. It's if you're not thinking about it, your personality is a generalization of what you will do most of the time in most circumstances.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. We're talking about... Personalities and how they affect our decision making. I like talking psychology with a psychology professor. He's Dr. Andy Skuttinga. He is a professor at North Central University right here in the Twin Cities. Be right back. Our personality affects our decision making has been our topic today Dr. Andy scudinger is my guest he's a psychology professor, so it's fun to talk psychology uh Rosie was one to know what happens when someone is controlling with their personality
1: that's tough okay <laughs> i don't i don't personally know a lot of people who like to be controlled, but there are definitely people out there who do prefer to be controlled i mean you can you see it in Uh, Lots of relationships, um, particularly in marriages where one partner actually seems to like being told what to do and being controlled. And some people are okay with that. They Mm -hmm. they do like having other people just tell them what to do and kind of run their lives. Um, I think in most cases that's not a healthy relationship always um, because most – I think most people do prefer not to be controlled – By others, So how do you handle that? You have to recognize it when you see it happening to you that someone is trying to control you and you have to gently stand up to that controlling behavior and and recognize what it is and what it is for. And if it's in a long term relationship, you know, like a marriage or a dating relationship, for example, where it's not so easy just to say, you know what, you're trying to control me all the time and I'm done. It's you can't. Do that so easily in all relationships. So you have to recognize it and talk to the other person about it and have discussion about what you are okay with and what you're not okay with, and that can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Andy, when I look at openness, it's correlated
0: with higher measures of well being, including overall happiness. And yeah. people high in this trait feel more positive and have warm and loving relationships with the people around them. Yeah, sounds like openness is a pretty important trait.
1: It really, really is. And I think that's something that we can all learn to be a little bit more of. Again, you know, I, I said earlier that we have personality traits that we are born with. But again, I do think that we can adapt to that by recognizing I'm not a very open person. I'm not really a spontaneous person. Um, I'm, I'm saying I as an example, right? I'm not necessarily talking about Andy Scotting but... If you recognize I'm not a very open person, I don't like new things, I don't like new ideas, I don't like trying new stuff, I don't like going to new restaurants, I don't want to try new food, and I don't want to meet <laughs> new people. Okay, you're pretty low on openness, right? Yeah. So we can, we can tell ourselves, okay, that might be my preference all the time, but I can still stretch myself a little bit. Because again, personality is about what we usually do in most situations. It's what we default to. We can learn to manage and adapt that to different situations. So I guess, yeah, could you make the argument, well, that's changing your personality? Well, I don't think so, because in the end, extroverts are extroverts, introverts are introverts, and you can't switch. There's really no evidence that says, I switched, right? You just can't do that, but you learn how to manage it in ways that are maybe more open to mm-hmm. other people and other things. Mm-hmm. As we
0: talk about personalities, I'd, I'd like to go back to temper, temperament, because that. That might be something that you learned when you were two. Mm-hmm. You started learning it because you saw your parents, uh right. live it out, and they had a certain temperament, and you may have that
1: parent, sure. parents' temperament. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do see that a lot. Kids tend to reflect what their parents show them and how to behave and and how to act. Um, you know, you know, it's like <laughs> it, when you when you react to kids they will learn how to react the same way you do to similar situations so if you as a child you know that you've made your parents upset by doing something you're not supposed to and they scream and they yell and they threaten to hit you um that's and you're exposed to that all the time that's generally what you're going to do as a child when you go to school somebody makes you upset you might yell and scream and threaten to hit them because that's what your parents do to you. So you you do learn certain behavioral traits like that from your parents. Um, what's interesting is when a child, that's not necessarily what their personality would be prone to do. They might have some conflict internally about that and not really know how to process those feelings and emotions. They know they should yell and scream, but they don't really want to do that. And that can cause some real cognitive dissonance for a child. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, parents, be careful what you teach your children through your interactions with them because they will imitate you for sure regardless of their personality traits if you show them that the best way to handle frustration and anger with a child is to grab them by the arm and smack them then they understand that that's what you're supposed to do when you're angry Mm -hmm. you grab somebody and you smack them Mm -hmm. so there's i mean there's you know today's not the day for it but you know, that's, that's why so many psychologists now have come out very strongly to say, don't spank your children because they will learn from you that the anger response must be tied to physical action. So if you're angry, you should hit somebody. That's what you teach your children when you spank them. You also teach them, I better not do that again because I'll get hurt physically if mm-hmm. I do it. So does that impact the personality? I don't think so, but I do think it definitely impacts how they behave Regardless of personality,
0: mm-hmm. that makes sense. It does. So, if we do a little bit of personality trait evaluation, uh, w- we might be we might be good in some categories and bad in others. Yeah. But so maybe we can spend the last several minutes just talking about developing a godly character because it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Uh, if you have a godly character and you are uh, growing in your relationship with the Lord,
1: He will give you all you need to meet every situation. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes that might mean you act in a way that doesn't fit your personality type, but it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Because if you've asked God for wisdom, look, God, I know that I am a, I'm highly prone to emotional outbursts when I'm unhappy or frustrated, when things don't go my way, Mm -hmm. whether it's being cut off in traffic or a boss tells me, here's a project I want you to do that you don't like. I'm prone to being emotional outbursts. Again, this is not Andy talking. This is just an example. When you say to God, here, God, here's what I want to do. I don't want to be this type of person anymore. Right. I don't think God is going to, like, wave his magic, powerful fingers and say, your personality has changed. Right. Right? I think yeah. God says, okay, well, I'm going to put people in your life to help you recognize when you're being ridiculous. We'll do some practice. Exactly. Yeah. And so you learn... I think God teaches us lessons like this throughout our entire lives, not just when we're kids not just when we're adolescents or when we're young adults, it's throughout our entire lives. When we ask God for change my personality, I think what we really should be asking is help me to manage my personality better, help me to recognize what it is that I'm doing. And how do I not keep doing that same thing? You know, like Paul talks about, I do the things that I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I want to do. So God, Mm -hmm. give me wisdom to recognize that and how to handle it. I think that's how God will work through us when we ask.
0: Yeah, because our, our personalities are what they are. Yep. And more importantly is, God, how are you going to use me in my life to better serve you? Yes. And to be uh, helping expand the kingdom, to be to have the kind of personality that is going to uh, be most effective in bringing glory to your name. Yeah.
1: I, I think it's really interesting— um, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I have empirical data to back this up, but I think I remember hearing a few years ago or reading someplace that most, um, pastors who are particularly effective are significant introverts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that the best way to be a minister, a missionary, an evangelist, a preacher is to be extroverted because extroverts are better at public speaking, right? Right. And I, again, I don't think that's true at all. And I, I know several wonderful communicators who are pastors or professors, men and women, who are, who are not extroverted at all. In fact, they don't always love public speaking because it's in front of a ton of people, but they're very good at it because they put a lot of thought and effort and time into the words that they're crafting. And sometimes your personality might be more prone toward writing and constructing content than it is to delivering it, but when you can build that content and then deliver it fairly well, mm-hmm. you can be an incredible communicator and be a significant introvert. Mm. And so, again, I want I want our listeners to understand that we have to make sure that we understand our personality traits and our personality types without allowing ourselves to be boxed into. Well, I can only do certain jobs or I can only have certain things like I do in my church. Yeah. I can't be a greeter because I don't like people. <laughs> well, yeah, you actually can. All you have to do is say, hey, welcome to this church. Mm. We're glad to have you here. Yeah, You don't have to get to know them. You just have to welcome them. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. That's not a personality thing. That's a want to thing. Yeah. And so we, we have to make sure that we don't categorize ourselves too strongly. Yeah. Andy, that has been a lot of fun. Thank you
0: for coming in and talking to us about our personality traits and how they affect our decisions, giving us some good things to think about. And I think it's very helpful in relationships if we understand each other better. You bet. Um, Very helpful. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. We're going to take a break and be right back with Hour 2. Again, thanks to Dr. Andy Skutiga. And we'll be right back.